0: How many know it's fun to be in church? Who felt like they wanted to go jump in that tank all over again? How good's that? Like Carol said, we're kicking off a, a brand new series today on faith and... Like she said, it doesn't mean that we ignore everything we've learned on worship. And everything, all the revelation, all the new insights, the experience that we've learned about worship, it doesn't just disappear now. But how many know that faith actually comes from a, it doesn't come from striving, but it actually comes from surrender. And so that place of surrender, that place of that posture of our hearts, that place of worship, that intimacy with God is actually the foundation where faith grows. And so this morning, hopefully you've got a new normal in worship and intimacy with God and we're going to build upon that and believe that the Lord is actually going to increase our faith as we journey together. You know, the Scripture says there's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Love will always be the greatest thing. But how many know the Scripture also says that without faith, it's impossible to please God? Faith is an important element for us as followers of Jesus. I believe that where the Lord is taking our church in this season that we need to be equipped with faith because we're going on a journey that we've never been before. We're going to places that we've never experienced and we're doing new things and the Lord is leading us in a way where we're going to see our community transformed through the love and power of God. How many know that that's going to take a people that are full of faith? That's going to take a journey of people that are contending for more, are, are stepping out and believing God for more. What is faith? Good question. Hebrews chapter 11, if you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is what it says. The author author of Hebrews says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. The Passion Translation says it like this, it says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality, and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. Faith brings our hopes into reality. I would like to propose this morning that, how many enjoy roller coasters? Yeah, I knew there was something wrong with this church. How many know that when you're on a roller coaster, you have no choice? Once those bars come down, that's it. It doesn't matter how much you moan, scream, cry, put on a tantrum. Someone's going to push that button and you're going for a ride. The track might go up, the track might go down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the queen. It doesn't matter who you are. That roller coaster is going to take you on a ride. Sometimes we think faith is like that encouraging person person that sits Next to us on the roller coaster, and they just pat us on the back. They're like that comforter. They're, they're, sometimes we think of faith as like our best friend. I would like to propose this morning that, that faith actually changes our reality. How many know that if you're on a roller coaster, you can't change where you're going? You might have sympathetic people sitting next to you to counsel you and all, and all the things that you need, but the reality is you're still going to go on the track. There's, there's no way of, of avoiding that. And faith is not just like this friend that sits next to you on a roller coaster, faith actually changes the outcomes in your life. It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that now faith brings our hopes into reality. And becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. I would like to propose the morning that faith creates alternative realities. Faith creates alternative realities. What that means is that, how many know that there's a, there's a plan, there's a, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. In Jeremiah, um, in, in Jeremiah, it says that his plans and purposes are good for you, that, that they're abundant and however the rest of the verse goes. But the point is that God has a plan for your life. How many know that other people have a plan for your life? How many know that the enemy even has a plan for your life? His plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And what faith does is it actually activates us into the plan of God for our life. Faith actually rewrites the outcomes that could be over our life. Faith rewrites the narrative of destruction over our life. This is the power of faith. When I'm talking about faith this morning, I'm actually talking about faith in God. But this is the power of faith in God. Faith creates alternative realities. Matthew chapter 14, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, we're going to read a, a passage of scripture here. This is a story about Peter who gets out of the boat, and as you can see behind me, the graphic here on our series of faith is this story of Peter getting out of the boat. In Matthew 14, verse 22, we pick up this story and it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water. come he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." This is an amazing passage of scripture. But oftentimes, when we read this passage of Peter, we often go away with maybe not you, maybe not you, but but sometimes I've gone away with this feeling after I read this passage, saying, "Hey, the emphasis is about how Peter sank, how Peter was drowning." And sometimes I go away from this story thinking, wow, maybe this is a lesson that we should stay safe. Maybe this is a lesson that we shouldn't step out because of what might happen. Or maybe this is a lesson of what can happen if we break out from the group. How many know that this is not the lesson at all? This is nothing like the lesson. The lesson in this story that Jesus is telling us is about what happens, and he's talking about what happens when we step out in faith. I recently heard, she read a, um, an excerpt from a book called Spiritual Intelligence by Chris Vallotton, and he was talking about this passage of scripture, and I want to read this excerpt from the book. He says, Jesus brooded in faith and inspired by courage. The rest of the story is powerful. Jesus shouted, come. Peter, hearing the command above the howling wind and the crashing waves, got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. I love that Peter refuses to be satisfied with spiritual principles that have no practical application. Instead, he gets out of the dang boat while 11 theologians watch from the deck. Let me say that again. He gets out of the dang boat while 11 theologians watch from the deck. Peter's water walk didn't last long. The Bible says, but seeing the wind, he began frightened and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and took him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? If Peter had little faith, I'm not sure what the faith of the 11 world changers watching from the deck had. I'd like to point out that Peter didn't drown. He walked back to the boat holding hands with Jesus. It's important that we don't miss the main message of this story. Faith caused Peter to tap into the third heaven, the superior law of the Spirit. However brief the moment, the guy accomplished a physically impossible feat by having faith in God, which allowed him to experience the kingdom coming near him. I mean, the guy actually walked on water, demonstrating that faith is the on-ramp to experiencing a superior reality. We cannot grow our faith on the deck of the ship. We can watch other water walkers, hear their stories, and read their books, but ultimately, the only way we're going to grow our water-walking faith is to get out of the dang boat. Turn to the person next to you and say with a little bit of attitude get out of the dang boat Some of you guys are having way too much fun with that Isn't it crazy about The main message of this story is what happens when we get out of the boat. And sometimes we critique it and we analyze it and we come up with the main message is, hey, stay safe. Hey, don't do anything too far out there because look, Peter's gone down in history as one that sunk. He's also gone down in history as the only man apart from Jesus who walked on water. Oftentimes, when we feel like we're in one of life's storms, the encouragement this morning is to step out of the boat, to step out in faith, to activate the faith of Jesus in our life. But how many know that the Bible also causes us to, it says, the righteous shall live by faith says, the righteous shall live by faith. Therefore, not only is the Lord causing us to step out of the boat in times of storms, of chaos, of uncertainty, of these big issues in life, but he's also causing us to, in the mundane, in the ordinary, in the Monday to Friday, in the nine to five, to live a lifestyle of faith. Four years ago, you know the story but myself and Rachel and our family went over to America. And, on, and prior to leaving, we sold a lot of our possessions and we had accumulated some money and we took a step of faith and moved over and did Bible college for a year. And how many know that when you're watching your bank account, when you've got no savings coming in, after the weeks and the months are going and the bank account's going down, you know, and it doesn't take much to do the math to think, hang on, we're here for a year and this money's not going to last us for a year. And probably two months before we, start, we, were, we were due to come home, the money ran out. It was a step of faith for us. And I remember we were praying. It's like, Lord, please supply our needs. We've literally got no money in the bank. And the Lord answered those prayers through so many here that actually supported us in that time. And I thank you for that. But there was one knock on the door that we had one day. And as we were praying, as we had no money left in the bank, we had a knock on the door from a lady who said, Ben and Rachel, I've just been praying for you. She was from the church. She said, I've been praying for you and God's just told me that I'm to buy your groceries every week until you leave and go back home. And this was like incredible. The very week that we run out of money, here she is banging on the door. And so every week, we would go to the grocery store, we would take the kids, we would fill up a trolley full of food, and every week we would walk through the checkout, she would swipe the card and pay for the whole grocery bill. And there was many more miracles like that. But how many know that we then came home and God blessed me with a job? I then had money in the bank, and no longer did I have to exercise my faith in that area because I had money in the bank to go buy the groceries that we once believed God for a miracle for. And sometimes we get to the point where God blesses us in in this scenario with, with money in the bank from a job, and we can buy groceries, and all of a sudden we start moving away from this faith experience we've once experienced. What does it look like to live a lifestyle of faith in the mundane, in the Monday to Friday, in the nine to five? What does it look like when I've got money in the bank to buy groceries How many know that Israel also had this dilemma? If you remember when the Israelites were going into the promised land, in their journey into the promised land, God was miraculously providing food for them that literally was coming from the sky. It was called manna. And they literally had a miracle every single morning. How many know that once they stepped into the promised land, There wasn't manna coming from the sky. They had to work the ground. They had to cultivate it. And God had blessed them to actually see their needs being met by their own hands. My point is this. Often we start in faith and and the challenge is that we live in faith. When we all came to Christ, did you realize that moment of salvation was actually through faith? That, that when we received that great gift that we've been talking about, the grace of God, it actually was received. We actually receive salvation of His grace, but it was through faith. Therefore, faith created an alternative reality because we were destined for hell. We were destined for despair. And in that moment, as we engaged our faith, to receive that free gift of salvation, it now, it now says as we're born again, we're now a child of God. We now have an eternal place in heaven with Jesus Christ. Faith creates alternative realities. I'll just ask if the worship team can come up I'm not going to go long today. But what does it mean on Monday to live a lifestyle of faith? What does it mean when we don't, like Peter, we don't have a big storm? What does it mean when we don't have a negative doctor's report? What does it mean when we're just doing the mundane, just the normal things of life? Because the scripture says, the righteous shall live by faith. I think sometimes this faith that we got at salvation, we sort of progress a few years and all of a sudden we put it into retirement. How many know that the Lord wants us to increase from glory to glory, from faith to faith? Maybe you're a parent and you've got kids and you're like, hey, how do I live in faith? I'm looking after three kids. I would like to encourage you on Monday morning when you're literally doing the mundane things of life and putting food in their mouth and trying to keep them alive. I want to encourage you to activate your faith on what you're doing because you're not just trying to keep children alive. I know it feels like that sometime. We we live in that world. And sometimes when their behavior doesn't line up with what you're telling them, sometimes when there's issues at school, sometimes when this is all going on and it's mayhem, we lose our faith. But I want to encourage you this morning. What about a Monday morning if you said, hang on, things might be hectic. But as I put a spoon of porridge into my child's mouth, I'm creating a world changer. I'm creating someone who's going to glorify Jesus, who's going to destroy the works of the enemy. This might be a child. Sometimes their behavior might not be great. Sometimes this is an a, 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 a ordinary, seemingly job sometimes. But how many know that the ministry as parents is the greatest thing we can do? And maybe in the mundane things of life, we're looking after kids. Let faith arise. Let that be an expectation of hope. Because faith creates alternative realities. Could it be possible that your child, as you bring them up in an atmosphere of faith, actually changes the outcome on their life? Could it be possible that the, the influences, what everyone's saying at school, all of a sudden, the way that you parent your kids has such an impact on their life that they change history? Or maybe you're working a nine-to-five job and you're like, how do I live by faith? Maybe you're going to a, an uncomfortable meeting one of those confrontational meetings and you're like, I know how these play out. I've been here before. I know what this is like. I want to encourage you to go back in your testimony and find out that one time maybe when God gave you wisdom. When you walked into an uncomfortable situation, a a, a, a meeting that could have turned terrible and all of a sudden there was a word of wisdom, there was grace to have a successful outcome. I want to encourage you on, in your drive to work to start increase, to start activate your faith and say, hey, this meeting's not going to be the same as the past. We're believing that as I walk into that place that God is going to do something and we're believing that God's grace is going to be upon you as you talk and have you have, as you have those difficult conversations. See, what we're doing is we're activating our faith. We're not hyping something up. We're not doing positive thinking, although that's got its merits, but what we're doing is we're anchoring ourselves in the one who is forever faithful. The faith of God. Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, hey, I've just been crying out for God to be real to me. I've been crying out that that God would reveal Himself to me, that He'd become so close, and I'm getting weary. I just don't know if God's real. I've been into church before. I've heard stories about people that say that God speaks to them and God talks to them. And I've been doing that. I've been I've been reading the Bible, I've been praying, I've been doing all the things I know to do and I just I'm not convinced that God is real. I'm not convinced that he speaks to me. I want to encourage you this morning. There's a verse that says, "He who hungers and thirsts for for God will be filled." Grab that verse and say, God, this is my inheritance. And in 1 Peter, it says, he is not a respecter of persons. That means what he did for someone else, he's going to do for you. And what I encourage you as you you go on a journey of of being closer to God and and maybe you're feeling frustrated because he's not speaking to you the way that, that you want it to be. Let faith arise in that place. Let faith arise in that place where you're expecting God to speak. Because I would like to propose this morning that as you engage your faith, it actually creates the very thing you're looking for. Because faith creates alternative realities. Maybe you're here in this church and you're like, hey, We're such a small church in a big community. Maybe you're like, hey, is God doing anything? I would like to propose and I would like to encourage you to increase your faith. I would like to declare this morning that God has a purpose and a plan for our church. He's got a promise for us. And as we engage our faith, is actually the delivery system to see those things fulfilled. Anybody can sit back and say, oh, this is not happening. That's not happening. That's not good. But it actually takes people of faith to engage our faith and say, hey, God is going to do a brand new thing. It takes our faith to say, hey, even though the past has been amazing, But the disappointments in the past aren't going to uh, affect our future. To so, say so the things that we've struggled with as a church in the past is not going to dictate for us going forward. It takes people of faith to say, hey, I believe God is doing something. I believe there's something happening and we're about to step into that. You see, because faith creates alternative realities. We're going to sing a song again in a moment. and Actually, could, all, could we just stand up if, we, if you can this morning? I'm going to pray for us this morning because I, I believe that the Lord wants to give us the gift of faith. There's ways that we can grow our faith, but there's also a way that we receive. We can receive a gift of faith. And so would you just put your hands out in front of you like you're about to receive a gift? Just close your eyes with me. I believe that the Lord this morning is doing an exchange with unbelief and he's replacing it with faith. I believe this morning that the Lord, even right now, is replacing disappointment with hope. Difficulty with expectation. Unbelief with faith. After the disciples had seen everything, that Jesus had done they said Lord increase our faith after the disciples had a front row seat into the greatest display of signs and wonders that any human had seen in human history they said Lord increase our faith and so this morning Lord we say increase our faith Lord, increase our faith to believe you and what your word says and what your promises say over our lives. There's a verse in Luke 18 that says, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? This aggravates me. This verse aggravates me because he's looking for faith. Faith. So, Lord, right now, as we stand with our arms out, we just thank you for the gift of faith this morning. We don't re- receive it through striving. We just surrender to you this morning. Like a child, we just put our hands out and we, we, we just ask, like the disciples did, that you would increase our faith. And we're going to sing this song in a moment. And I want you to just let your faith arise as you sing this song again. We're just going to believe that as we worship, as we praise him in this moment, as best you can, block out all distractions and just let faith arise this morning.